Welcome to the acclaimed podcast, The Deep Dive, featuring your esteemed hosts, Andy Monitor and Drew Dinzik, powered by BetSperts. Welcome to The Deep Dive, your Jaguars edition. Jaguar, let's shag it up. Um, The AFC South favorites are the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, we are two years removed from this team picking first overall in the NFL draft in back-to-back years. And yet here we are where they are minus 150 or something like that to win the AFC South. And I belly laugh that that is not a big enough number. Um, this Jags team is for real. I think that there is a very realistic possibility, Andy, that first take is doing segments in October, November of do the Jags have the best wide receiver room in the NFL? Is it better than Cincinnati? Yeah, like there's, there's a realist, yeah, there is a realistic chance here that these guys are going to be uh, catching a lot of teams by surprise with exactly what they are bringing to the table offensively. You're two with Peterson and Trevor Lawrence together. Um, you had just, you know, incredible growth over the balance of, uh, you know, the Trevor Lawrence's sophomore season. Um, now you combine that with an elite offensive weapon. The last time we saw this happen was the year that Josh Allen exploded with Trevon Dig- with uh, Stefan uh, Diggs. Different. Um, different Diggs. But uh, yeah, adding Stefan Diggs to the mix with, with Josh Allen was enough to launch him into MVP consideration. And if you sit back and you look at this squad and what the addition of Calvin Ridley means, I think it is completely fair to think that that is a within the realm of possibility in terms of taking him to elite status as a quarterback in the NFL. You know what I, I think, did? Yeah. Because a guy forgets about Calvin Ridley. You know, he had that home invasion thing. He had his mental health break. He gambled during his mental health break. He missed the suspension. Uh, traded while suspended, which is weird and makes you forget about it. I went and watched some college highlights because, well, because I, I saw some preseason and I don't even think it was a game. It was just camp highlights. It's like, fuck, this guy can move. This guy's crisp. He's got them soft hands. He just looks huge. He looks good. So I went and watched like a little YouTube montage of some college highlights. It's like, shit, this guy is I mean, this this was one of those things where it's like, oh man, we're gonna put him across from Julio. This is just, this is gonna work. And he, you know, he was a high end prospect. He is very good. They got a lot out of Kirk last year, and truthfully, like 2021 just felt like, I mean, I'm just in my mind, I'm just gonna pretend they didn't start T Law because it was just a lost year in his, you know, in his progression as a quarterback. It's it's it was such a goofy goofy thing, and you know, obviously let's. Quick pop back to 2022, where, as I mentioned in the Titans podcast, they started three and seven, ended up winning the division on the last day. But it was kind of it was a rocky start because you had you put the urban in the rear view, brought in the Super Bowl winning coach. It's like, all right, this should be smooth sailing. But he still had a lot to work out. And, you know, it's one of those things you're excited when you have all this free agent money and you sign Christian Kirk, you sign. Uh, Evan Ingram, you signed, uh, you know, Brandon Scherf, you signed a bunch of players. They spent more money than anybody that offseason, but it's still, you're bringing in a new coach, you're bringing in a quarterback who might as well be a rookie at that point, and you're bringing in a lot of new pieces. And 
and I was seeing new play callers, new everything, and it's it just oh weird. It didn't start out well. And uh, I've read a couple of, couple different reports on basically like turned out they were good at self-evaluation and they they figured out what you know Trevor was struggling with, what the team was struggling with because they did you know, they struggled a lot with pressure. And you can go look at the splits and uh, the football outsiders. Salmonac does a good job of this. They take some of the SIS data, basically said like, hey, at a certain point, they figured it out. They stopped using five, five step drops at this rate. It went way down. They were basically, you know, it's almost like an in-game adjustment. We're like, hey, they're getting a lot of pressure. We got to get the ball out quick now. But they did it for the rest of the season. They started doing a lot more quick, a lot more underneath, a lot more you know, outlet and just not letting him struggle with that sort of pressure and his stats. You know, if you look at the kind of first half, second half stats for the year, he took kind of a really big step mid season. And this was an offense and a team. And I guess you can attribute some of this to the coach and where he's been at with his career, but they had some, they had some games. They were absolutely out of, and it, it wasn't a team that. I guess was built for these crazy comebacks, but they did it like five or six times. There was a good, you know, my favorite thing to do when I'm researching teams, especially when you're looking at last year is go look for one of the fan sites. They always write these articles in like February and it's, it doesn't matter if the team, what they did, they're like, Hey, here's like 20 positive takeaways from the season. Cause that's what, that's what fans want to read. They want, they want hope for next year. And I, I don't have the attribution for who wrote this, but they had five comebacks that totaled 80 points down. Oh my God. That number sounds really big. Right. But you know, yeah. the, the, the chargers one obviously bulks that up, but they were down and all of them, this was technically, and it wasn't just like five random games. These were their last five home games of the season. They were down by a total of 80 points total. So they were down 17 points in a 27-20 victory over the Raiders, nine points in a 28-27 win over the Ravens, 17 points in that overtime win over the Cowboys, 10 points in the, like I mentioned, the the win over the Titans, and obviously 27 points over the uh, – the chargers in the playoffs. And it's funny too. I think at least two of those were defensive touchdowns to win the game because the Cowboys game for sure ended on a, uh, interception return in overtime. And there was another game. So maybe the Raiders one where it was like a fumble recovery touchdown to win the, you know, that, that end up winning that game. So it wasn't all the offense, but it was, a, you know, it was a team that, kind of turned the tables there and it didn't matter how hard the chips were down late in the season. They stayed in games and they, they did it up. And yeah, Calvin Ridley comeback player of the year. I don't know how many votes he's going to get for having a gambling suspension with the old school media, but it's, it's just crazy. And then, yeah, down the stretch, um, seven of the, in those final nine games where they won seven of them, uh, our guy, Trevor, 15 touchdowns, two interceptions. Wow. And yeah, the passer rating went from 71 in 21 to 95, which is the fifth largest improvement in NFL history from a player from first to second season. Wow. I think so. All that to say is I I think it was okay. I know a little controversial. I think it was okay getting rid of Urban Meyer. Yeah. (laughs) 
I'm having conflicting thoughts on Urban Meyer because I've been watching a lot of um, the Netflix series with the Gators. Um, There's so many bad reviews. I haven't had a chance yet. Oh, oh there were? Well, I loved it. Everyone made it sound I like they, I, I went to a like couple washed. of those games. I bet all those games. It was it was definitely watched, no doubt. And I hate Urban Meyer. And I was just like, it's like, tell my wife. I was like, we're going to watch this, but be do not fall for this guy. He's a piece of shit he's a huckster he's a huckster yeah um but yeah, yeah they made no, it they, sound like they made an oj documentary and it's just like oj golfing like well oh, there's left out the stuff there's an enormous amount of crime that was not included for sure yeah. it was at the very tail end but that's what the i was stuff where, it was that yeah, the stuff where they so win crime i know the stuff where they win their first title though over the uh, the buckeyes was wild because like i was betting college football at the time like i i, I, I was pl- i was plugged in on all that and it was fascinating um anyway all that any any behind the scenes look is awesome um and uh tim tebow weird dude um i don't know if you know that <laughs> he's a weird dude um all right the uh real quick the comebacks that you were just reflecting on for the jaguars by the way tim tebow uh jacksonville guy um didn't catch on with the Jaguars and Urban Meyer when he was there, but he tried. Um, the comebacks you mentioned were uh, notably against some pretty good teams, Andy. Cowboys, Ravens, yeah, uh, Chargers. Like these were not chumps. These were not pushovers. This is not you came back on Jeff Saturday's Colts. <laughs> these were these were teams that could have, should have probably put you away and you, you fought, you fought back in. And I love that. Um, also noteworthy to me that Trevor Lawrence bounced back from the worst first half debut of any quarterback we've seen in a long time in the playoffs. <laughs> he there threw was... I, I, five or 15 interceptions in the first half. I forget. Um, but it, uh, it was an aggressively poor start uh, to his playoff um, you know, career. And he, Fought through it. Uh, that kind of resiliency matters to me. I love, love, love that type of sh- love that. Said stuff. that somewhere. If if he if that game would have just ended at halftime, if he'd have been benched or whatever, it'd have been the worst playoff performance besides the Kerry Collins Super Bowl. Oh, was, sh- oh wow! Which was against a, like oh wow, an all universe, all universe defense. Yeah, Yes, probably the best defense that's ever taken the field. Before being honest, um, the. Uh, the the fact that the Jaguars had so much resiliency is to me a credit to Doug Peterson. Um, you know that the guy is a good coach. I don't know what to tell you here. He took Nick Foles and won a Super Bowl against Belichick. I you know we didn't need more data points, but we've gotten them. Um, and taking over the Jaguars, keeping that team focused despite a poor start to their season, keeping that team um, you know rowing the boat together, and uh, you know coming back from a two and Jesus Christ. They were two and six. Is that right? Two and seven? One, two, three, three four, and five, seven. six, two and six. They got that four and seven. Three and yeah. Uh whew, two and six start is a good good reason to well, we'll get them next year, coach. Um, but honestly, they spent so much money and they had so little flexibility um, you know, at the end of 2022 that if they hadn't turned things around, won the division gone into the playoffs and gotten this, you know, Lawrence's feet wet and playoff experience. I don't think I would feel solid about this team this year at all. We, Cause we would be like, man, they had no flexibility to address the problems with their roster. So they did nothing. 
Lawrence still hasn't proven anything in the playoffs. Like there would be a lot of reasons to doubt this Jaguars team that I have kind of moved well past because they did, uh, you know, they fought through it last year because they, you know, won their first playoff game as a unit. And I am perfectly fine believing that this team with this soft schedule that they are presented with can win enough games to be a factor in the AFC. And when I say that, what I mean is the one seed in the AFC playoff picture comes with an absolute monumental amount of leverage in terms of winning the conference. Like what has gone unsaid when people reflect on how good the AFC is and how weak the NFC is relatively is that the strength overall in the AFC means your seven seed playoff team could be an absolute nightmare to face. And the one seed will face no one. They will get rest. They will be at home for two potential games to go to the Super Bowl. And when I look at the fact that the Jaguars have the potential to have a top five offense in football combined with this weak schedule within the AFC and the cleanest path, in my opinion, to a division championship, I think one seed is on the table, which means AFC is on the table, which means Super Bowl is on the table. And those prices are not reflective of that. So this was the first bet I made this season. We've talked about it, I know, at least once back in yeah. our off-season pods. And um, it may be ultimately just, you know, pissing, pissing into the wind. But um, this Jaguars team ceiling is 100% championship potential. And, you know, maybe the defense is so porous that ultimately they can't get there. But I'm looking at an NFL this season that has lots of question marks at offensive coordinators, lots of question marks at quarterback, new coordinators, new quarterbacks everywhere. And you have continuity here. You have a guy who's on the come up, who is generational prospect. I don't think anyone in the world would be like, wow, can you believe Trevor Lawrence is in the MVP discussion in December this year? No, of course they won't. No, be like, yeah, he's, number, he's, he's year three. He should like, be. He's, his, no. his ceiling is legitimately like, Hey, he threw for fifty five hundred yards and like thirty five touchdowns, and that that puts you in the MVP discussion. I, I think you bring up a good point with the continuity and what I alluded to earlier with the you know the changes they made to the offense to kind of turn it around. Like you you have that you have that same offensive coordinator, you have that same yep. offensive the you know the 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 continuity you have at coaching and maybe taking this next step and then adding Calvin Ridley to that adding another, you know, adding another piece to the running back core in, uh, you know, in Bigsby and they too, when you, when you do it, what they did in 2021 into 2022, and they spend 170 billion in free agency, it kind of hamstrings you, like you said, the next year. And I did like the move from the front office because there weren't a ton of, there weren't a ton of things they Need everybody needs a lot of things, but where they were in the first round, they did have some flexibility to move back, and they did it twice, and they moved back three spots and added five picks by doing that in the first round. They and they just, I think that was kind of always the plan was, hey, we can't go out and go nuts in free agency, so what if we? But what if we had like thirty draft picks? Yeah, we better did, swing away. 
Yeah, let's they swing did make They made so many day two and day three picks. They made multiple trades after that. They traded back with Chicago. Um, and yeah, they, they got they got Tank Bigsby. They got Anton Harrison. That was, ended up being their first round pick, the offensive tackle. Um, Devil's avocado with this team. The offensive line is a little thinnish, and it's it's a bit of an issue to the point where they started a tackle at guard and moved some things around in the preseason game. It sounds like they're getting some pieces back here. Uh, God, what is his name? Barch. I, I got to look at the depth chart here. Ben Barch. Sounds like he's going to be back soon. That was the reason they had to move Walker Little into guard okay. and just keep, Ant, keep Anton Harrison, uh, I think, at his natural left tackle spot. But it sounds like you know he's going to right, Little's going to left. Ben Barch goes back to the the left guard spot. It's it's just thin afterwards. The depth isn't uh, isn't great on the offensive line, and obviously they had some issues last year. So they do need they do need some people to step up there. Otherwise, the rest of this offense is kind of fucking sad. Yeah, yeah. Um, I rank the Jags as the ninth best offense in football. Uh, I have the offensive line as the one week unit, and they're twenty first. Um, and that's assuming Harrison, no Robinson. <clears throat> Once Robinson comes back, you'll get a little bit of a bump. Um, and I think just generally the ability of Doug Peterson to kind of, and honestly, like Trevor Lawrence has been under duress almost his whole career, really. Like there hasn't been any years where he has been well-protected and he's been kind of forced to figure out how to play quarterback while under pressure pretty consistently. Um, and, you know, to the degree that he learned through last season how to operate while dealing with pressure, I think is going to benefit them this year. Um, I do like when healthy, their interior offensive line is at least a little bit more formidable. My questions for them really are at the tackle position. Um, and if he's getting the ball out of his hands in 2.3 seconds or whatever, then, you know, tackle and edge. Yeah, where, where, tackle do have, versus where do you have edges. Fortner rain, rated as far as a center? Because Sherp, Sherp's uh, good. I have Bart Fortner be as, fine when he's I, back. I have Fortner as a good center. Uh, I have Scherf as a good guard. In fact, those oh, yeah. that's your that's your strength right there. Uh, center and right guard, good. Um, I think the uh, and once Cam Robinson comes back, your entire right side is good. Um, I think the uh, skill position group is really where I am being conservative in my rankings, and I have these guys sixth best right now. There is a very real possibility that we are revisiting this in the season and saying it's number one and um, moving everybody down the depth chart one slot and putting Calvin Ridley in that wide receiver one, assuming he stays healthy, that has like that has like electric potential, specifically using Christian Kirk as your slot. Yeah, getting getting him to be so. So the thing is, like you get awesome, you get a true, you know, deep threat over the top, whatever you want to call it, but a true one who can move the chains, but also play some deep ball. It just allows you to use Christian Kirk, how you're supposed to use him. And you have yeah. a really good tight end in Evan Ingram. So like yeah. those guys, plus the two running backs who obviously yeah. can both catch balls. Like the fact that everybody I just listed can suddenly do all the middle and underneath stuff. Like there's a very good opportunity for this offense to be just, um, you know, maybe not this high powered, high octane thing that we're all just in awe of every week when they put up 40, but just super bleeping efficient 
and they were yeah. very good in the red zone. That was another spot where Lawrence struggled early in the year. He threw a lot of uh, bad passes and interceptions in the red zone early, really cleaned that up. They were efficient in the second half in the red zone. Obviously, that's how you win all those games late. So if yep. that continues and we see this really nice, you know, short to intermediate game from all those guys, boom. Like, Calvin Ridley. We're cooking. Calvin, we're cooking. Calvin Ridley is, like, it's exciting for him to get the ball, but what he does – for the rest of the offense is super exciting to me. Yeah. Um, Etienne, especially with just in another, a whole yeah, nother, another year a whole nother Ingram season. another year. Yeah. Yeah. A whole other off season of press Taylor to work with all these players and kind of implement the system. Yep. Bigsby is a perfect fit. Etienne is a great fit. Ingram is a I terrible blocker, but a Bigsby. good fit. You hate him. I like him. I laid him as a player, but I, I hate that there's two players called tank now. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm sure I meant to say Tank Dell. I'm ninety percent sure I said Tank Bigsby on the on that Houston podcast. No, you said Tank Dell. Did I say Tank Dell? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like I feel like I've mixed mixed them up in my head at least. Maybe, maybe, maybe. maybe. I, I heard. Well, one of them I has heard, to change. Maybe I heard Tank Dell because I knew that's one of them has to change their name. <laughs> well, whoever finishes higher in rookie of the year voting, I guess, will give the official tank designation. The other one becomes just a guy. Um, no, everything about the way that they're rostered looks great to me on offense if the offensive line can stay healthy. Um, the defense is a little bit of a different story. Um, I diverge here from conventional wisdom about this defense. People are kind of picking at a lot of their performance metrics from last year and just saying these guys weren't very good as a unit. They added no one. How are they going to be better? I kind of shrug and I'm like, yeah, I guess, but they still have a lot of draft capital and a lot of guys who at times showed pretty impressive flashes. You mentioned it in terms of like the way they came up with game breaking plays, particularly in a couple of those comeback wins. Um, There's just like a lot of kind of capable guys here. I don't see an obvious weakness outside of the nickelback. Um, I liked their secondary a ton. I have a very, very high grade on Tyson Campbell. I have a very high grade, or you know, I guess a, a good grade on Darius Williams. I like both their safe, I, I their wanna, starting I safeties. I want to stop you right there, too. Yeah, so go ahead. Darius Williams, I love that you have an okay grade on him because I upgraded him a little, too, just kind of reading more and more about last year. Sure. He, he was a struggle bus. For, he, he was the Trevor Lawrence of the defense struggle bus first half of the season playing slot couldn't do it put him out wide where he belonged he was very good so i think if, if you went and looked and you know this is a, a pain in the ass just to upgrade one player but if you went and looked at where he actually lined up and looked at the grades he got when he was out wide for the second half of the season he graded out a lot better and he played a lot better so i think yeah I, I'm, I'm with you there and part that's part of the reason but you know obviously we love campbell and if, if williams is put in the right position. And obviously yeah. when you, when you have coaches that are willing to do that, like, Hey, we, we got to move this guy to where he belongs because we're trying to put, do round peg square hole here. It's not <laughs> working. And then you yeah. see an, an improvement. You go out and get, uh, I mean, the guy who led the league in tackles the last two years yeah. from Atlanta, you see if you can get a you know, Josh Allen's very good. You're starting to, you, you asked a lot out of Trayvon Walker kind of changing what he did. And it's got to be weird to play with the Georgia defense because just everybody around you is so good. And, you know, you're asked to do 
certain amount of things, but you don't have to do everything. So he's put in a different situation. I think we see a, I think we see an improvement there this year. That's yeah. kind of what you're hearing yeah. out of camp as well, too. He's he's getting more comfortable, and they're going to use him in more spots where he's been comfortable. Where he was. I don't need any more teal Kool Aid. Stop. I don't need any more teal Kool Aid in <laughs> <laughs> because that's kind of really where the ceiling of the team emerges, which is that you know they um, they ultimately. Um, oh, wow. That's an interesting stat, Jay. Um, ultimately they don't like the defense is solid. The, the, the spooky part is cornerback depth. Like one in, you know, if something happens yeah. to Tyson Campbell, then Andrew Wingard at, uh, yeah, oh, 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 buddy. Oh, buddy. All of the secondary depth, even the nickelback, like Trey Hernan, not, not my guy. Um, there is a good amount of uh, spookiness if there are cornerback injuries to this team. Um, I do. I do wonder if this uh, junior yeah. Gregory or Gregory junior Gregory Gregory junior pushes Trey Herndon a little. He's had some nice moments in camp, and I don't think I think that's a bit of a tenuous grasp grasp on that yeah. spot. Okay, um, so good. It'd be interesting to see what we see there. And I would love to see there. some of these young guys pop. Uh, really, yeah. really would be a huge, huge breath, you know, deep sigh of relief. Um, you mentioned, uh, you know, some of the uh, pieces here on the in the in the uh, uh, front seven. No one that's really going to like blow you away with their numbers, but they're all solid and their depth is okay. Um, I like Devin Lloyd more than anyone else. Apparently, like my numbers say he's going to be a good linebacker for the foreseeable future. People just cannot help but point out he got benched at some point last season. I don't know why. Well, like, I have no clue why. You, you add yeah. Ola, you add Ola you get a little more out of Trayvon Walker, and I think it's one of those uh, rising tide kind of things where sure. I think all the, all the linebacker plays can improve. The whole the whole front's going to improve. Come October, you're going to get Dwayne Smoot back. You just like you said, you you need to stay healthy in this defensive secondary, and it, yep. c- it can be a pretty good defense. So let me ask you about Trayvon Walker a little bit more. Then, so this defense all of a sudden is AFC Championship contending, Super Bowl contending if Trayvon Walker is a factor. And I have no clue if he's any good or not, but he was taken first overall, so somebody out there sees a path. Um, he's a guy that I'm going to watch and very, very carefully look out for tape all season long because this is ejecto Cito, any kind of hopes for these team in the playoffs if he doesn't turn into a blue chip pass rushing force to be reckoned with. Because while this defense on paper is not like going to lose you games, it sure as shit isn't beating the Chiefs or the Bills. I'm, I'm sorry. Like AFC Championship, you might be conceding 30 points with this unit on the field. Right, unless Walker becomes a more disruptive factor, so he's he's the entire leverage of this team, in my opinion, being uh, actually championship contending and, and bringing some of these absurd prices that we got in February home. Um, so it was, it was one of those things like, hey, you're a big guy, you're athletic as shit, and you played on a really good team. And yeah. there's quotes from him saying like, I hate to like misphrase this because he doesn't. He didn't come across as lazy. He, he just, he just said there, there's a lot to figure out, like at, at the next level, especially when you're not just, hey, let's, you know, we're Georgia. We're just, he's all, yeah, he's all, here. he's the, all the raw. Everybody, everybody's all yeah. world all here. And 
there, there's been some good quotes from some of the coaches too. Is like he's just he's starting to get the little things, like the adjustments you need to make based on the you know the protections. He's starting to figure things out. They're doing you know things to get him in better positions to improve on his sack total, uh, get, get movement side a little, keep him outside where he want when they want him out there. It's 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 hopefully uh, you know we're hearing the right things that. He, he steps forward. Josh Allen has Josh Allen, not Bill's Josh Allen. The other Josh yeah. Allen yeah. has made some had, had some nice quotes about him too, saying he thinks he just like what he's seeing early in the season and in camp. He thinks he's like set up to dominate this year. So, oh god, and it was always happens. it was always that thing. And somebody somebody put it pretty well too. They said like the Aiden Hutchinson was more ready to like hey you can plug and play this guy he'll be good right now if you put him in the right spot whereas like walker's a better prospect it just might take a little while so the i don't know i, I read that last year during the draft Dude. i read it again this preseason so that's the hope is like and just it, hey this is gonna take a little right. bit to get it get it to its he, potential he's got 17 games because this team is not winning playoff games in a very crowded AFC unless they have a, fa- a more formidable factor on defense, I think. With that, offseason grade, a B. I mean, you kept everybody together, I guess. Uh, they uh, lost yeah, the like, addition subtractions are non-factors for me. Continuity, you didn't have a lot of wiggle room. You did a nice job drafting. You kept your, you kept your coaching staff together. Um, yeah. Calvin Ridley, I guess if you want to count that as offseason. I think you have to. Yeah. Last season. I, I, yeah. I'm going to. B, B plus. B, okay. B, I'm giving it a B plus. Okay. Let's uh, look at the schedule, which is the X factor here. The most important part of the schedule, Andy, is week five. Uh, we have known for a long time who the Jaguars' opponents were going to be this season, but we did not know that they were going to turn a road game at Buffalo into a de facto home game in London. That is kind of one of the weirder decisions I've ever seen the NFL make from a scheduling wrinkle standpoint. Giving, you know, Jacksonville obviously elected to have two uh, games in a row in, in London. And, uh, but just the fact that the second of those is a, their, their opponent's home game is, is kind of banana, bananas. Um, I think the, I, the, the, with the known advantage, travel advantage of you having already adjusted to the time and them coming to you, um, it's got to make that a different. It's got to make that a, a, a kind of more of a coin flippy type of game. The fact that you get KC at home uh, early-ish in the season when you know their defense is not necessarily at their peak, and when the offense is you know potentially kind of coming off of an ass kicking of the Detroit Lions, as opposed to um, you know really sharp and focused and and like knows that you are a contender and that you are a a uh, force to be reckoned with. Uh, I think that's a good time of the season to face KC week two. Um, your tougher tests against Cincinnati, Cleveland, Baltimore, all in a row, bang, 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 late in the season. I mean, I'm in, I'm in spin mode here. So positive spin on that is that's that sharpens you for a playoff run. Um, I like that all of those games are relative coin flips. Uh, your coin flippy against San Francisco, you get them at home coming off your bye. Um, you get a travel advantage on you know for, uh, over them in that spot as well, assuming that, that that's not San Francisco spending a week on the East Coast preparing, which I, I don't I don't recall seeing that that's a back to back East Coast roadie for San Francisco. Um, but you know, realistically, there's just there are 
a lot of AFC South teams on this list, and there are a lot of NFC South teams on this list, Andy. And you know who sucks? The AFC South and the NFC <laughs> South. I thought you were going to go there. Yeah, and <laughs> it, it, not exactly an iron sharpened iron moment heading into the playoffs, but the last three games of the Oof, season are baby. all they're all candidates for teams that are packing it in at that point. Uh, Tennessee, Carolina, I mean, these are teams that could be a you know eliminated nothing but to play spoiler except for the fact that you know Tennessee is probably at that point starting a rookie quarterback Carolina is still starting a quarterback a rookie quarterback and trying to figure it out Tampa yeah. Bay who knows if we're still where we're at at the Baker yeah. Mayfield we're in trash yeah point. we're in we're in we, trash, we might be time, in trash, trash territory so you might have a you might have a nice little runway to the hey everybody else is playing tough games against divisional opponents week week 18 and you just have to beat will trask or will trask excuse me will levis to get the one seed if uh things turn out right i like the end of the season i like the double dip in london like i mentioned on the indie pod i kind of hate the return game where oh, the brains the can be game. scrambled that like death on that 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 looks like an absolute uh, like, like, hey, we spot spent, we spent we yeah. spent too much time eating bangers and mash and we're on the oh. wrong time schedule Widowmaker spot. Hate it. Uh, I don't know that they lose that game to Indy, but I sure should have taken the points with the Colts on that one. No doubt about yeah, it. I hope that's mind. like eight by then. You know? Yeah, I think it could be. Um, I mean, if they beat Buffalo, if they beat KC, they really only have to beat one of those two teams to get like a decent little bump you know, in terms of grading. Um, you know what else kind of intrigues me about this, Andy, which kind of fueling some of my, um, my bullishness? Not a lot of elite defenses on this list. They don't necessarily have like soft defenses. Like there's, they're not playing the NFC North, which would have been nice if you really wanted to step pad. No, but, both both sides of the bye are tough, and obviously, yeah. you know, Cle- Cleveland, is, Cleveland, yeah. Baltimore's biggest. Although Baltimore's pass rush, I'm not so sure about still. I mentioned still that secondary too, man. I'm scooped yeah. about their secondary too now. Anyway, Humphrey being Humphrey being injured is 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 a red flag for Baltimore secondary. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, that, like Jacksonville is going to be in the in the conversation for most points scored. I think they're going to be in the conversation for um, for the one seed. And so I think if you want to true capture like actually realizable um upside on that team i think that's where you attack yeah and yeah as jay is pointing out that is a tough stretch you get the the, i'm gonna call it the scrambler because you're coming back off the back-to-back in london and then four days later you go to the big easy like not not only do you have that that time adjustment game but you have a short week heading into a new orleans game there followed by another road game, not a massive travel spot, but a, another road game against what should be an elite defense, another big test. So that's going to be, that's, you know, we're, we're going to know a lot about the Jaguars by the time they hit the bye. I think so too. Um, and, and there's a, there's a decent chance that that San Francisco game is a three one way or the other. True. That's true. That's true. Um, that'll be a really fun, fun game. They should have flexed. They, they, they should plan on flexing that into a prime time spot of some sort. That shouldn't be a 1 p.m. Sunday. Jack Snyder's is going to be great. I so the, the, the wildest thing to me is that they decided 
we should flex into Thursdays. Yeah, I when, don't get when, that the, the whatsoever. Obvious, the obvious answer is you should be able to flex into Flex Mondays. into Monday, obviously. Just, <laughs> because you move uh, one team just moves back one day, which sucks for them, but play better and be a bigger draw on TV, I guess. But it's it's not as weird of a flex for either team. It's just a quick one-day adjustment. So, yeah, that, I hope the Thursday flex thing doesn't happen, honestly. that's It seems like a mess. Uh, it's pretty terrible. It's a pretty terrible call. And it's especially terrible to the fans because you're like, hey, my, you know, like it's not – it's a it's a cool thing to go like oh we got a one o'clock Sunday oh wow we're in primetime Monday now cool it's not to be like oh you just moved up the game three days and now it's on a Thursday like that's it's inconvenient as hell yeah I don't love it I think Drew's phone might have died oh he's back what did you get a call I can't hear you your your mic is muted um, while Drew figures out the tech I'm guessing. I'm guessing some asshole texted him. I should start texting him just to screw with him now because he was calling it on his phone there. But yeah, Dan, if you want to pull up the betting odds for our Jacksonville Jaguars this year, uh, I think I saw 30. But yeah, Super Bowl 28, AFC 15, AFC South, um, prohibitive favorites. Not super prohibitive, but minus 155, make the playoffs one to two for your horse racing fans and plus 158 on the comeback win total is a juicy over nine and a half and true i think i hear some clicking so i think you're back yeah what's up man uh my mean wins for this team is 10 my median wins for this team is 11 that's because i have a lopsided distribution to them being good and their divisional opponents being bad so over yeah. nine and a half minus 144 is not a play, but I would like an all over, please. Yeah, I, I think this is a team that you approach in the same way you approached the Eagles last year. We said, hey, we're not betting this win total. We're betting them to get the one seed. Hey, we're not betting you know them to make the playoffs. We're betting their coach of the year. We're betting their quarterback to an MVP. We're betting them to have the best record in the in the conference. You know, those are you know, spread some bets out on some longer odds like that. Like yeah, Peterson's like a 20 to one. Obviously Lawrence isn't too far down the list and MVP. Um, you know, the, the one seed thing is usually phrased by most wins. I think it's just most wins markets. I'm not a hundred percent sure what the Jags are in that. If somebody wants to pull that up, Robert Papa calls says he saw 10 to one Jacksonville gets the one seed. Don't hate that. I think that's just another fun. That's essentially just an alt over, like that's a over thirteen and a half kind of kind of move. I suppose not one hundred percent sure what it takes, but that would do it. I would think, depending on what what Kansas City decides to do this year with Buffalo, Miami, some of the other good teams. I like it. So yeah, yeah. I think if you if you do want to get involved in this, it is it's the the bigger prices: Super Bowl, AFC, one seed. MVP coach of the year. It's it's the the longer odds things. It's not hey, let's just take the find a, a good price on ten and a half or nine and a half. And that, that's a good point too. I think, yeah, the one seed and Trevor Lawrence MVP are very tied together. I had that same yeah. conversation earlier with someone. I yep. said if Absolutely he gets agreed. the one seed, the the narrative is 
Josh Allen didn't get the one seed. Trevor, you know, Patrick Mahomes didn't get the one seed. Trevor Lawrence got the one seed. And even if his stats aren't as good as Mahomes or even, you know, Allen hurts, you know, so Lamar, some of the other quarterbacks that might put up some Kirk, it's, it's like, Hey, he got the one seed 4,800 yards is enough to give him an award. Yeah. I, uh, I'm down to six, six men that I think can realistically win the MVP. And uh, the one that I'm on the outs, the six and a half. I think I named them all except Burrow. Yeah, the one that I'm on the outs is not Burrow. It's it's Lamar, and it has to do with team success. I'm starting to really question whether the Ravens are good enough to get into enough team wins to get Lamar the the nod. Um, so I'm losing a little bit of faith there. But uh, absolutely, Mahomes, Allen, Burrow in some order at the top, probably that order, uh, followed by Herbert, Hurts, and then Lawrence. And then Lawrence. Hurts and, yeah. yeah, and then Lamar's just on the Dark. outside for me. Dark horse case for Dak, but that uh, that number sucks. Like I need a thirty. Oh, like he, if he more. stays healthy, that, it's yeah. like twenty two at some places. His numbers are not going to be good enough. I don't think. He just has to stay healthy. They, like I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be the guy who's okay. like the Mike McCarthy guy this year. Okay, like, I'm trusting him. <laughs> okay, I. It's not crazy. I mean, I, the the market is sold him on him so hard that you're buying low. <laughs> so that's what I'm I was not... surprised seeing that MVP price. I'm like, oh god, I thought it was going to get forty or fifty. What is this? That's what I'm saying. It's not bettable by any means, but he has the skill set and the you know the players around him to put up a really nasty season. And it's the same kind of thing as like, hey, the Eagles are the class of the NFC. Uh, if the Cowboys are able to jump them in their own division, get some sort of one seed, they'll be buzz. So, um, yeah, what's the little bull range likes of outcome? uh, range of 30, outcomes? Real quick, I want to come in little bull on the MVP conversation. Little bull likes or has some Purdy at fifty-five to one. You know, it's not crazy. I'm not saying he has zero percent chance, but I. I worry that even if he has a spectacular season, they're going to cut the pie into so many different pieces that it's going to be tough for him to really seize the MVP, right? Shanahan's going to get credit first. Skill position players are going to get credit second. Easy, you know, the easy schedule that they have and the the ease of the NFC in general. Like, there's the you cut the pie up so many different ways before he gets his fair share, and I think that ultimately stings him a little bit. But uh, but per- but Purdy looks healthy and ready to go for Week One by all accounts, man. He's going to be out there and he's going to be slinging. Elbow injury is not a factor, it turns out. And basically, all the quarterbacks we're worried about are fine. Garoppolo looked fine. Purdy yep. looks fine. Yep, they're all on the good stuff. Whatever that is. Clear <laughs> and or the cream range of outcomes. I guess somewhere between eleven and seventeen wins is yeah. where I have them. Did you say what is, 17? Yeah, no. Is I mean, that including playoff wins? Because including my, playoff wins, I don't know. No. Eight, eight to 13 um, with a yeah. long tail to the high end. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. I mean, that, yeah, they this this could very, very well be a rerun of last year where things aren't clean. Injuries to the cornerback room, we already mentioned, could throw cold water on my Jags boner real quick. Um, and I think in, you know, I think, but I think the offense is, is a tough one for me to really believe that there's a problem 
brewing in any way, shape, or form outside of a Lawrence injury. So, and he is a uh, he's a uh, an available dude. Lawrence is not a guy that I really have much questions. Is is he going to be uh, you know are you going to be scratching your head? Is he going to find his way onto the injury list? Although I would have said that about Herbert last year, and he broke his ribs week two and was never the same. So you know, crazy things happen. That shit for no reason. Played through it for no reason. That's right. So yeah, no, I, I mean, I agree with you. I think even even with the the even with some some black swan shit happening, this is still a team that's winning eight, eight nine games. And uh, if everything goes right, particularly offensively, considering the schedule, the ceiling is uh, ceiling is probably fourteen, and yeah, that might be enough. Asking, that might be enough to win the uh, to win the AFC. Jay's asking what has what has to happen for them to win the AFC. I think a big part of that is just that that regular season regular season <laughs> success not having to go to Buffalo in the playoffs, not having to go to Arrowhead, not having to go to Paycor, yeah. not having to go to, you know, Pittsburgh, Baltimore, Cleveland, any of those places, playing two games yes. in Duval. That is 80% of the equation. And it's probably higher because if you've gotten to that point, then the defense is top 10. The offense is at least top 10 mm-hmm. and the rest kind of sorts itself out. But, like, yeah. like Drew said, there's so much leverage with the one seed in general, but especially in the AFC. Do you do the mental exercise? The leverage on the one seed in the AFC is the entire game for features this year. And if you don't get a piece of whoever is going to get that spot, you are going to probably not. You shouldn't be betting that market, I guess. Right. Yeah, Unless you're Buffalo, literally trying Buffalo to get and it. Kansas City games are so fucking big. Huge, and this huge is what we leverage. mentioned in the Buffalo preview said. Buffalo gets hosed with this travel spot to the jacket. And and this legitimately might be something mm-hmm. that has a big bearing on who gets mm-hmm. the one seed in the AFC. So a couple of thoughts on this, because this is fun to talk about. Um, and we haven't really gotten here yet for the AFC broadly. And this is our last AFC pod. So this is a good one to kind of put a bow on the AFC, Andy. Um, well, the last focused AFC pod. Um for this to happen, you have to finish ahead of Kansas City in standing. That m- must happen. I do not see a world where you are going to Arrowhead in an AFC Championship game and going toe-to-toe with Mahomes and winning. Not now. Not at this stage. Maybe in future years, sure. God, what a coaching matchup. If, if it's all last year. And uh, you know, it was an injury that influenced a lot of that outcome. But the uh, Jags were feisty in the second half of that game. Um, the uh, no, the 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 key um, is finishing ahead of of Kansas City. I think. Um, I think there is a very real chance that the AFC North winner is the four seed. The AFC North is so freaking good. Those guys are going to black and blue each other up all season. And you probably you know whoever wins that division is probably coming in for. The if you can get the one, Buffalo and KC are two and three. That's it. The path is there because Buffalo and KC and the two and three are going to face really, really tough uh, wild card opponents. Could be Chargers, could be Dolphins, could be Jets, could be uh, Ravens, could be Browns, could be Steelers, uh, could be Bengals. The Bengals very well could be a wild card team this year, right? Like that, yeah, that two that seven. Be, that would be very annoying to win your division and see Joe Burrow come to town. Oh, you know that's you know that kind of feels like it's in the stars for the Bills. By the way, 
you know, they're going to have to exercise their demons. To be fair, like that, if the Jets are decent and the Patriots defense plays like it looks like it can, and obviously the Dolphins have an offense, like that division is a little more of a, you know, there's a bit of a dogfight and beat each other up. And yeah. the, the Bills are a three seed playing the, the six and, Oh, yeah. oh no, it's since he came hey. down. Hey, another thing that helps the Jags, in my opinion, um, Kellen Moore and uh, and Justin Herbert make beautiful music together, and they knock the Chiefs into the wild card. That's in the range of possibilities in the NFC this year for sure, for sure. Yeah, talk about so that is the that is the two seed where you can still win it. It's like, Oh no, the exactly. Jaguars are the ones. Yes. <laughs> you have to, us and 40,000 fans dude. have to go to LA. Dude. In fact, that's the kind of the one fundamental thing about the AFC playoff picture. I'm so glad you mentioned that chargers do not have home field advantage period. So if they get the one seed, then yes, they avoid the very, very difficult wildcard game, but you're not scared about going to LA and getting a win. If that's the Come one, if the that's coast. if that's your AFC, go to the coast. Although Chiefs lurking as a wild card, that's sucky. Um, I think you know if if again this is, Can this you is imagine being a division winner that like, yeah we're, oh, we're you, you yeah. get the Bengals and Chiefs and in rapid succession as wild card coming at you. So Andy, playoffs, you ready? It'd be fun no matter what. You, you ready for you ready for my uh, my um, fan fiction? Of the season to get everything home. Yeah, let's take it home. Steelers steal the AFC North and are the four seed. Yep. Uh, in any order, Chiefs and Bills are two, three, and the Jags get the one. Okay. Your wild card teams include Cincinnati uh, and uh, Miami. And who you want? Who else you want? Let's put Lamar in. We'll put Baltimore in. Browns? Do you think the Browns are in there? Okay, Browns. I, I'm, uh, I'm kind of a Browns guy now. Let's do let's do uh, four or five. Is Browns Steelers? The Steelers get it done, or no? The Browns actually. We'll give it to the Browns. We'll we'll give the Browns a wild card win. They beat the they beat the Steelers. Who Kenny Pickett has this stinker of a playoff game, playoff debut. Yeah. Um, Bills and Chiefs take care of business, and uh, and then you get the vaunted Bills slay the dragon, beat the Chiefs. Do the impossible. Meanwhile, the Browns come down to Jacksonville. You get probably, uh, you know, the Browns, Steelers, any of those wildcard teams come to town with you having an extra week pr- to prepare. Love it. Love it. You take care of business in the divisional round and you host the Bills after they've slayed the dragon. And our deep, deep sigh of relief. Uh, let's say you let's know, say the bills. The let's let's double it up. The bills. It, the bills in the three six beat the Bengals, and then they beat the Chiefs in the two three in Arrowhead. Bye. And the, the, you get a nice double sigh of relief as the Bills, who have assumed they've won the Super Bowl, come to Jacksonville and they are three point favorites. And the Jags and Doug Peterson win outright. You know what the, the, the narrative the though for Doug Peterson that week is. Can you get it done with Nick Foles? Why? Do they do? <laughs> no, I just, uh, especially if they beat Buffalo early in the year, too, I wonder what that price would be. 
uh, yeah, I think they're going to be dogs in the FC Championship game at home against the Chiefs of the Bills. I would say almost certainly. If they if they've gotten that far as a one seed, dude. If the Bills conquer the beat the beat the dragon, you know, conquer them. conquer. Yeah. Okay. Okay. No, but there's you have yeah. to have a pretty massive upgrade to Jacksonville at that point. Yeah. Like it's a, yeah. it's a top three power rank or power rating team at that point. So at home, at worst, I make Buffalo a point and a half, two points better on a, okay. on a neutral. So it's it's a pick them. Okay. Um, the flip side of this is in a playoff setting, I, I give you all of the possibility in the world, Jags, of beating the Bills and the Chiefs in the regular season, especially where they fall sequencing. I am very nervous. It needs to be a special situational spot, I think, to beat them in the playoffs. And you're very, very, very long odds to get it done on the road, I think. So that's kind of where I'm at on the Jags and on the AFC in general. And, uh, yeah, hopefully, uh, Hopefully a four seed for the Steelers is enough to get Tomlin coach of the year home. You think it will be? <laughs> you don't think so? No, they it can't be like a win a shitty division after you know an eight win season. It has to be for 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 coach of the year, even with your narrative of how he's never got it, there has to be like a four win improvement. Like he has to win 12, 13 games, man. It, I don't think Steelers, like a, I don't think Steelers like 11, win 12 11, games. 11, Steelers win 12 games and get the four seed, but they're behind the Jags, Chiefs, and Bills. Okay. Meanwhile, meanwhile, in the NFC, the one seed is the Cowboys. The two seed is the Niners. Your three seed is the Falcons, who have 10 wins. Your four seed is the Packers, who have 10 wins. Yeah. Is that but enough I mean, for Tomlin to get home? Dable, so Dable's, Dable's Giants, the narrative with Dable was they just had five years of shit coaches three really bad coaches and finally you get the right guy in and he improved their wins well about like five or six from the previous year so he had two pretty strong ones going for him there plus you know the the playoff berth whereas the, he's had too much success over the years and they won eight games last year and <laughs> no it was, wasn't it eight eight and one? Oh, was it i think they're yeah did they eight, tie? Eight who did they tie i think there was a tie maybe i'm wrong oh yeah, oh, maybe might be right. I'm gonna have to double double check that. But yeah, like it's just not enough. And also in your scenario, Doug Peterson already has the award. <laughs> like you think a one seed in the AFC? Uh Peterson yeah, might, is Peterson is Peterson is nineteen to one. I saw yeah, I saw some twenties. Like I'm not I'm not super excited, but I'm I see I feel like I feel like in that I'm scenario, going to have a piece of that. I feel like I feel like in that scenario that uh, Lawrence is getting a bigger piece, a bigger slice of the pie for MVP than Peterson is getting coach of the year. I, I think. still think your Tomlin thing is the wackiest thing you have this season because they, they just, they won too many games last year and the ceiling isn't 12 or 13 wins. <laughs> they're just, they're this, they're this eight to 10 win team an awful lot. And if you win a bad division with 10 or 11 wins and it's like, Oh, that, they got a couple more wins than last year, and they're the four seed. Nobody is like, "Hey, you know, Kenny Pickett and Tomlin, let's let's put them ahead of the, you know, Peterson. Let's put him ahead of whatever. Maybe Sirianni has another sick year. You know, they're expected maybe... to finish fourth in their division, man, with a bullet. If they win their I division, I, he's I not. He's it's, not in the conversation. Not, no, uh, not 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 unless it's like 12, 13 wins. It has to be okay. like. It has to be a pretty big, like a five-win improvement from last year. And the other thing too is like 
there's just too many people in the coach of the year conversation right now. Like uh, there's guys that can just get these instant bumps off this narratives. Like, Oh my God, LaFleur's doing it without Aaron Rodgers. Like also he's second favorite Dan Campbell. Dan Campbell's making it work. He just continues to shorten Mike McCarthy took over play calling and he's got the old touch. There's so many narrative guys. It's, It's just a really crowded market. Crowded market. I see. It, I see it. Tomlin has to have 13, 12, 13 wins. I think. I'm not saying he can't win it. It's like they have to have a pretty good year, though. Well, guess what, Andy? That, that's where. That's where I said like Aberflus is a good opportunity without actually having that good of a team. Like Aberflus can do it with like nine wins. Yes. Because they won three last year. If they have nine wins, make the playoffs, and Justin Fields is really very much a factor in the media landscape every week where we're watching yeah. a highlight. Do you remember when Lamar won the MVP every yes. single week there was yeah. that play? Like yeah. if we have that with Justin Fields and the Bears win nine games, like the, that's that might be enough for Eberflus to win it. There's there's so many guys that have those those built-in narratives already where a couple things go right and shit the guy's two to one. Okay. Well, you know what? Uh, the yeah, and Patrick is, has uh, a point. Why are we talking about this in August? <laughs> the, the last four <laughs> weeks of the season, all that matters. It's very, very, very fair. Um, well, hopefully, the uh, maybe the Steelers can get the two or the three seed then. Um, and uh, they're going to lose in the wild card round anyway, so I don't really care what seed they get. And it doesn't really <laughs> – it doesn't really – maybe that actually is even better for the Jacks if the wild card winner is a team like the Dolphins or – the you know some other wild card team that's kind of on fumes um and they come to jacksonville because they reseed the, in the playoffs yeah so if the seven seed wins they go to jacksonville if they're the one yeah, yeah you play the lowest, lowest remaining seed after yeah it's all reseeded right? okay. wild card weekend so, oh, excuse me all right good pods let's call it good these job on the good. afc yeah, these were, and uh, we'll be uh, we'll be back next week for the NFC West. I know you guys have all been um, eagerly anticipating. What are we going to say about the most exciting division in sports? Well, you're going to find out next week as we put a bow on the NFL previews. I'm I'm kind of pumped for those. <laughs> we're getting close, man. It's almost regular season time. I'm seeing real deal college football bets in the accounts. Like we're getting we're getting close, man. Yeah, we got week zero. We got one more week of preseason. 